Welcome to Banyan Books, Branches of Wisdom. Celebrating the joy of bright ideas and heartful lifelong learning. Branches of Wisdom is a series of intimate conversations with the world's most influential authors and visionaries. We explore spirituality and the human mind, ecology and culture. Most episodes are recorded with a live audience. You can join our live events and submit questions to your favorite guests. Check out our upcoming schedule at banyan.com. Since 1970, Banyan Books has been a rich oasis at the crossroads of wisdom and philosophy, offering resources for humanity's evolving paths. We're a locally owned, independent bookstore in the heart of Vancouver's Kitsilano neighborhood. Visit us in person or shop online at banyan.com. Please subscribe follow, like, and leave your reviews for the podcast. And now, enjoy. My name is Jacob Steele, Events Coordinator for Banyan Books and Sound. I'm really excited for today's event with Nejwa Zabian on her new book, Welcome Home, A Guide to Building a Home for Your Soul. Nejwa Zabian is a celebrated Lebanese-Canadian author, speaker, and educator. Since uh, publishing her first collection of poetry and prose in 2016, she has become an inspiration to millions of people worldwide, as well as a trailblazing voice for women everywhere. Drawing on her own experience of displacement, Nejwa uses her words to encourage others to build a home within themselves and to live fearlessly. A couple of years ago, she launched the Digital School uh, Soul Academy, and the podcast Stories of the Soul. Her work has been featured in such media outlets as the New York Times, CBS News, Glamour, Elle Canada, and HuffPost. It's an honor to welcome you today, Nejwa Zabian. Thank you so much for the beautiful intro. And my phone just fell. <laughs> I was like, of course, this would happen to me right at the beginning. Um, I'm so happy to be here today, and I apologize for last time for anybody who attended. Um, it was a family emergency. This never happens and will never happen again. So thank you for showing up. Um, and thank you for being brave enough to take a journey such as this and for being courageous enough to, you know, challenge yourself to be there for yourself and to learn what that means and to admit that there is work that needs to be done. So I'm going to talk about Welcome Home today. For those of you who don't know me, um, you just listened to the introduction. Uh, most of all, I would say, and this is a question that I always ask my uh, guests on my podcast, it's the very first question I say, who are you without the labels? So if I were to tell you who I am today without the label of author or speaker or podcast host or teacher or whatever, I would say I am a human who is flawed, who makes mistakes, who is learning, who, you know, has let herself down multiple times in the past, who is learning to actually, through action, be there for herself. That's who I am today. That might change tomorrow, but that is the essence of what I feel about myself today. So I hope you can ask yourself that question. Who are you without the labels? 
um, coincidentally, that's also a question that I ask in Welcome Home because part of the intention behind Welcome Home is to really get you to a place where you feel like you are in touch with who you are. We always ask this question, who am I? And we struggle with it because we've been trained, maybe not directly or intentionally since a very young age, to see ourselves through the eyes of others. So all of a sudden you're faced with this question that says, who are you? And you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, who am I? And you could see that you are seeing yourself through the words of others. You are a daughter, a son, you are a, whatever your job title is. You are maybe not good enough. You are in need of work. You are, you start seeing all these definitions that others have or comments that others have said about you or towards you or or you know in reference to you whether it's to your face or behind your back so the question who are you is really one that is worthy of you sitting and thinking about it and feeling it and that authentic self of yours will be evident to you like you will feel that person on the inside as opposed to always being able to put it into words you will be in touch with that person and you will be able to separate this person from all of the different people that others have told you you are if that makes sense so um talk about that and welcome home so I'm going to tell you about the journey of coming to welcome home what got me to a place that you know I felt that calling to write welcome home why did I title it welcome home what do you expect as you're reading it so if I were to look at my life as a whole from a very young age I would say that my life has been defined by searching for something searching for feeling like I am loved, like I belong somewhere, like I mean something to someone, like I'm, I'm part of something. I've always, always felt back to my, if I were to go back to my earliest memories, I've always felt that something was missing. I've always felt it, like part of me wasn't there. Like, like I'm constantly seeking that one thing. And as a child, you don't know how to, how to talk about that. You don't know the words belonging. You don't know the words uh, connection. You don't, you don't know stuff like that. You don't know how to label it. You just, you feel it, you experience it. And so what happened as a child is constantly feeling that something was missing. Instead of saying something was missing, which is what I would say now, um, if that were to happen now, as an adult, as a 31-year-old who knows how to talk about things and knows definitions of words and everything, um, if I were to go back to being a child, it was, well, something must be wrong with me because I, I'm feeling something isn't right. So I internalized that something must be wrong with me because that's the only way I could describe it on the inside. That's the only way I could feel it. So 
for the longest time, what I wanted, which was feeling like I belonged somewhere, feeling loved, feeling like I was part of something, feeling like I was important to someone. Every time I would see it in others, like in my friends or in kids at school or in the adults around me, I would immediately say that that's what I want. Like, why can't I have that? Why can't I have that? And I talk about this journey in Welcome Home in detail. And if you were to read um, that story in particular, I'm positive that you would probably cry as you're reading it because I can never tell it without tearing up. And even when I read the audiobook, I teared up as I was reading that part. And I remember telling the director, like, I'm sorry, let's do it again. And she said, no, we want the emotion in here. This is a very personal story that so many people can connect with and you know you should talk about it so let's leave this part of the search for something here and let me take you back to a moment that's closer to now that kind of propelled the journey for welcome home to be the book that it is today so I had, this would have been a few years ago, I won't give a number just for the privacy of some people. Um, I experienced kind of like a situationship where, you know, I thought someone had feelings for me and, you know, I, I felt the same way and it really wasn't anything. It was just feelings. There was no relationship whatsoever. It was more of a almost always like almost something but it, it it stayed at that almost stage and once it came to an end it hurt so much like i was so aware that the pain that i was feeling was overblown and it had no no business in my life being this painful because it was never really anything i had no memories to hold on to i had no it was the hope, it was the potential. But obviously at that time that I'm experiencing the pain of that ending, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm upset because it's the hope. I was just feeling that pain. And I remember talking to um, a close friend of mine about this and uh, he was like, a friend slash business partner. And he was like, you know, I, I have a really good therapist and I think that she could really help you. And I thought to myself, you know, I've spoken to a therapist before and there's always like, there's something that I don't understand. I go into a therapy session, I am able to logically speak. And if you've read Mind Platter, The Nectar of Pain and Sparks of Phoenix, you know, I have the ability to write about feelings. You know, I have the ability to logically talk myself through a feeling, but all the logic in the world wasn't working. That pain always existed. It was always at the moment when someone was going to walk away. It was always at the moment when I felt that something was about to end or something was about to not go the way that I had hoped it would go. I would feel this pain on the inside that I, I just, I could not get rid of it. It would feel like, you know, maybe during the day for a little bit, I could distract myself by doing the work that I need to do, by being there for everyone around me that I'm usually there for, by doing whatever. But then at night, that pain 
it was really, really, really painful. And it was really intense. And many nights I wouldn't sleep. I would just feel like I was in pain. The question I would always hear in my mind is, why are people so okay with not having me in their life? Why? Why isn't there somebody who can just say, I want to be in your life all the time? And it was, so I would say in the past, I didn't know what my value was. But at this point that I'm talking to you about with this ending that I was going to speak to a therapist about, I was very aware of what my value and my worth was. So it made it even worse because I'm like, well, Najwa, you're not defined by someone wanting you. You're not defined by someone saying, I'm not going to leave. You're not defined by someone leaving. You know that. So it was like the pain was that I knew what my value was, but someone else couldn't see that value. How could they not see it? And, and why is this pattern of people walking away or not staying in the first place, not being there to give me that feeling that I was missing? Why, why was that always happening? Why did that pattern always exist? So in the midst of this pain, I was like, okay, I will speak to this therapist. And she is now a very good friend of mine. I talk to her every single day. And I said to her what happened. And I, I have the transcript of this conversation that she and I had because we texted first. I have it in Welcome Home. And I'll tell you what she said to me shortly after. I'll actually read this out to you. Um, shortly after I briefly described to her um, what had happened, she said, when he stated you two wouldn't be speaking anymore, how does that truly affect who you are and what you are? And I said to her, I believe it just confirms that I'm not worthy of being held on to. Not because I don't believe I'm worthy of being held on to, but because every experience in my life up to this point has proved that I'm not. And the conversation goes on and on. And she asks me what it was that, you know, made me even feel something towards this person. And I said, I saw sorrow in him the first time that we met. And so that was, you know, a little window that led us to understanding why I was hurting so much. And it was like, I can't see that someone is experiencing sorrow without feeling like I want to save them. And because of my people-pleasing nature throughout the years, which in a way was a trauma response to never ever feeling like I could just be loved as I am without having to work for it, that aspect of it, that people-pleasing aspect of it, that aspect of working hard to prove to someone that I deserve their love, whether that meant saving them, whether that meant always being there for them, whether that meant never giving up on them, forgiving them for, you know, not treating me with the respect that I deserve, whatever it, it was, that's what kept me in something that really was nothing. And it was just a person who enjoyed the attention that I was giving him. And that's all it really was. But that pain is so unrealistic and so um uh what's the word it's it, it it didn't match up 
to that painful event of this person who was really a nobody in the grand scheme of things walking away. So I knew the pain was so much bigger than this person. It was like, have you ever heard um, Maya Angelou speaks about going up on stage and she says, you know, every time I go up on stage, I imagine that I'm taking with me every person who loves me. And I find that very inspirational and very beautiful. What happened in this moment is that I felt like every pain in my life, every moment when someone walked away, all of those pains came. And that's why that moment itself was so painful because all of these other times that to me were left at that question, why are people so okay with not having me in their lives as opposed to me dealing with that question and as opposed to me logically telling myself, you know, just because every ending in your life has been like this and has proven to you this belief that you have about yourself, it doesn't mean that that's your truth, right? And this was the moment where I needed to go back and understand what was that first memory? What was the first time in my life that I started asking myself this question? Like, where did it even stem from? Because it didn't happen two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. It happened a long time ago. This had been a pattern throughout my life. So I was thinking back to it and this therapist is an energy healer and she said to me something tells me that around the age of nine or ten something happened that made you start asking this question and 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 it came to me as I was talking to her on the phone and I bawled my eyes out and it was a memory and I talk about this again in welcome home this is where I was saying you probably will cry when you read this because I wrote about it exactly as I would have been, you know, experiencing it in front of you right now. So I thought back to a memory when I was younger and long story short, if you don't know this about me, I am the only one in my family who was born and raised in Lebanon. Uh, my parents met in Canada. They're both originally Lebanese. They met here got married, had five kids, and then decided to move to Lebanon. Eight years later, I was born. So all of my siblings were much older than me. And also they were all born and raised here. And I was the only one kind of there, which I think made the feeling of not feeling close to any of them even worse, but also kind of made me skip steps in my childhood because I constantly wanted to be like them. I wanted to be mature. I wanted to you know, I, I remember when I was younger, I would look at kids playing, like when I was like seven or eight, and I would be like, they're so immature. Like, I remember thinking that on the inside, like they're kids when I was a kid. Anyway, so um, my siblings started coming back to Canada when they would turn 18 or, you know, my oldest sister got married, came here. So they all kind of left when I was at a relatively young age and my parents would uh, go back and forth, mostly my mom, between Lebanon and Canada. And I, I promise there is a point to be made here from all these details. Um, so what that meant was that for a certain stretch of time, I was left with several relatives who would take care of me and they all did and everyone did their part and so for my parents the most important thing was that I was well taken care of I was fed I got to school on time and you know 
So, but that what that meant was that I never had a consistent feeling of home. I never felt that there was one consistent person that I could come home to at the end of the day and say, this person really hurt my feelings at school or this person bullied me or whatever. There wasn't that consistency. It was genuinely survival mode. Like there's food on the table, there's clean clothes, there's whatever. And I was always very grateful. And I had a heavy religious education when I was younger. So gratitude was very big and also not complaining and also having hope that things will get better. So during those years, that feeling of something is missing got so much worse. There's one memory in particular that was closer to those to the beginning of those years, it was about eight years, where I was staying at my aunt's house. And this was a night before a major celebration that we have. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, as big as Christmas is here. And, you know, we get gifts and everything. And I was playing with my cousins and my aunt came upstairs and said, um, we're going to go downstairs for family time. And what that meant was that they would go, but I would stay because I wasn't part of the family. And um, I remember exactly where I was sitting. I remember my hair was half up, half down. I was wearing a green turtleneck. I'll never forget that day. And I could hear them opening gifts and I could hear them laughing and be happy. And, and, and I remember asking, in my heart as a child, why can't I have that? That was the first time in my life I asked that question and I was aware of it. Like, that's what I want, not gifts, not money, not, I wanted to feel like I was part of something, like I was loved, like someone cared enough to say, here, I got you this, just like everybody else. And, that was the ending I went to at every single time in my life where something didn't work out. It was, why can't I have that? Like everyone else that I see has it. Why can't I have it? So once I realized this, as I was speaking to my therapist, it literally felt, and I'm not exaggerating, it felt like there was poison in my veins, like my veins felt heavy. It felt like there was this pain on the inside that was like wrapped up in some kind of, you know, material that it was so protected for all those years, it was just there. And now that I recognized it and could label it and could think back to it, it felt like now I opened it and that pain spilled all over my body. And for a good three days, I was crying, like not 24 seven, but I was crying a lot because I felt like I was releasing that pain. So as I was writing about this in Welcome Home, I thought, okay, so I understand that that was the beginning of, of the path to say, this is where I'm going to build my home. I'm going to build it inside of me, not inside of other people. So in a way, removing that roadblock that was in my way of constantly thinking that that cannot be achieved, it can't be reached, 
going from that to saying, actually, it can be reached. I just haven't reached it yet. There's a difference there between asking why can't I have that and why don't I have that? When you say, why can't I have that? You're saying it's impossible. Like the question itself shows that it's impossible. But when you say, why don't I have that? Then there's an opportunity for it to happen. So the realization I made here is, you know, I had talked about home three years or four years before this event that I was telling you about, where I was talking to my therapist and we went back to my childhood and everything. So in a way, I knew that the biggest mistake that we make, if you've heard my TEDx talk or watched my TEDx talk, Finding Home Through Poetry, that's where I said the biggest mistake that we make is that we build our homes and other people. We build those homes and we decorate them with all the love and care and kindness that we want to come home to at the end of the day. And that's why when those people walk away, those homes walk away with them and all of a sudden we feel empty. Now, this emptiness doesn't mean that we have nothing left on the inside. It just means that we put it in the wrong place. And if we were able to make it once before and give it to someone else, then all that means is that we can make it again and we could give it to ourselves. I knew this three or four years before this conversation with my therapist. So there was something missing between the knowledge and the application of my life. And I genuinely believe that it was, and this is why in Welcome Home, this chapter in particular is called The Road to Home. So what kind of work do you need to do before you start building that home within? Because it's not like this magical thing where you're like, oh, I have been investing everything that I have in others in hopes that once they reciprocate it, that I feel something. You go from that to saying, okay, why have I build, been building my home and other people and not myself? Like you need the answer to that. You need what is, what is the path that you always take to abandon yourself and build a home in another person? So once you can uncover that story, you're in Welcome Home, I refer to it as my why can't I have that story? And that to you could be anything. To me, it was the love. It was the belonging. It was a feeling of importance. To you, it could be something else. Once you can take that and understand that your thinking about it needs to change from it's impossible to it's possible. I just haven't achieved it yet. And perhaps the answer is in not taking the same path I've always taken up to this point in my life away from myself maybe the answer is taking a path towards myself that yes feels very scary and very threatening because I've never taken this path before so after the road to home then you begin with building your home so once I recognized this was the missing piece like I could go on stage and talk about self-love until I couldn't speak anymore or about forgiveness or compassion or boundaries, but there was something missing. And that something missing was the understanding of why I always abandoned myself and why I thought genuinely that abandoning myself was a lot safer than being there for myself. Let me say it in other words. I thought that other people's 
welcomes into their lives, into their homes, were safer than me being with myself. And that's really sad. And that's what most of us do. And most of us, how most of us feel and how most of us think. We hurt more when someone doesn't see us the way that we want to be seen than we do when we look at ourselves in the mirror and see a different person than who we are. We hurt more when someone else doesn't see us that way. We hurt more when someone else betrays our trust than we do when we betray ourselves or our trust because we believe that the value of another person and their opinion of us is bigger than our own value. Now, when you say it out loud, you might be like, no, that's not true. Just like you tell yourself on so many days, I love myself, but tell me how, show me how, how do you love yourself? They're words. It's just like someone could say, I love you. How does someone show you that they love you? A better question. When you tell someone, I love you, how do you show them that love? Don't tell me it's just through words because I won't believe you. If you're part of this session, <laughs> you are somebody who does things to show your love for others. You listen to them. You give them hours of your day. You, you, you will do anything for them, right? So when you say, I love myself, what do you do for yourself? to show yourself that love? Do you feel that taking time to do whatever it is that you believe you need to be doing in a certain moment, or even to give yourself permission to ask yourself, what do I like doing? What do I enjoy doing? What do I need to be doing right now? Because I'll tell you this, when I began my journey with self-love, I didn't know what I enjoyed doing. Like as soon as I would finish the work that I was doing or got home from hanging out with a friend or with family or whatever, I just constantly felt like something was off. Like if I wasn't helping someone or if I wasn't doing something for someone or for a job, or maybe finishing an assignment that I was working on. Yes, that would be for myself, but that's also work. Then what? Then it, it was so much easier for people to take that time from me because I didn't know the value that that time could have for me. So in Welcome Home, I talk about how the foundation that you build for your home is made of two things, self-acceptance, and the one that's related to what I, what I was just talking about right now is self-awareness. So you have to know who you are fully. Like not just, I am X label, Y label, whatever. No. Who are you as a person on the inside? Who are you? And 
accept that self of yours. Maybe who you are is in total opposition to the way that you live your life. Why? Because you believe that the rules that others around you have for your life are more valuable of being or more worthy of being followed than your own rules for your life. You don't even know what rules you have because you think as long as I live by this person's rules or society's rules or my parents' rules or what my friends believe or whatever, I'm fine because I can belong somewhere. I didn't plan any of this, by the way. So I'm talking to you from my soul right now. That's why it feels like I'm, I'm constantly going in and out of the conversation. But, but I love these kinds of conversations. If you were to ask yourself, and this is going to be very heavy, so prepare yourself for it. Have you not been your whole life? Every time that you meet someone who, you know, you, you feel like I want to belong in that person's life, whether it's a friend or it doesn't have to be a romantic partner, anything, even a job family, whatever. Do you not sense what they believe is acceptable and worthy of fitting into their lives and then put that as the parameters of what you can be in that setting with them? Because belonging with them is more important than being who you are. And if you were to dare to be yourself in that environment without molding into what they believe you need to be, then you risk them not liking you or not seeing you as worthy of their love or their time or being part of the friend group or whatever it is. So before you do that, next time just visualize this what you're doing in a way is saying my end goal is to belong in that place or to be loved by that person or whatever that's my end goal so what i will do is become what that person or that group deems as worthy of whatever it is that i'm looking for and it will happen. You will blend in. You will fit in. They will give you that feeling. But are they giving you that feeling? Or the image of yourself that you orchestrated to say, I have that, whatever it is. So you are not actually getting that. It's the image of yourself that you've created. And that's not really you. And as long as you operate from that place, you are telling yourself indirectly, you as you are, don't deserve that, whatever it is. So keep hiding that part of yourself or those parts of yourself because they're shameful. If you show them, they're going to expel you from whatever it is, right? So when you build 
parts at home were thin. Everything is reversed. You don't mold into what the world around you wants you to be, to be worthy of something, whatever it is. You be yourself and project who you are into the world around you. And automatically, the places that don't have space for the glory that is you, and I'm not saying this out of, you need to be arrogant, you need to think highly of, no, no, no. Being yourself is never too much. It's never something to apologize for. Being that true, authentic self of yours. When you build a home within yourself, you are the main character in your own story. Not somebody who will change and shift and whatever so that the other main characters that you see in your life as more worthy of you and you, therefore you see the way that they see you as more worthy, they become the secondary characters instead of you being a secondary character in your own life. And that's scary. You've never taken the lead. It's time for you to take the lead. You're not going to be successful right away. You're not going to be successful every single time. I wasn't. It's a daily practice to say, I am my own home. I'm not going to abandon myself just so that I could feel like someone else is welcoming me. So going back, after you build that foundation of self-acceptance and self-awareness, once you've accepted truly the journey that got you here, why is it that you are the way that you are? Why is it that you have fallen into patterns that when you look at them as an outsider, you think that's weak? That's not brave. Like understand what got you to this point and make the decision to change it and say, who I am is more worthy of being than the image that I believe I need to be so that others could accept me so that I could feel like I can accept myself. Once you get that, out of the way then you start building those rooms so the reason that i talk about a foundation is think of a of an actual house can you build an actual house without a foundation no you can't the rooms will be all over the place and that's why you might find yourself knowing everything there is to know about self-love and forgiveness and surrendering to your emotions and all that you know it but you still feel like it's conditional on what someone else thinks. For example, with forgiveness, you might think, I can't forgive that person unless I see them hurt. I can't forgive that person. They need to apologize to me, blah, blah, blah. When you know that forgiveness has nothing to do with that person acknowledging that they put you through what they put you through, right? So when you don't have that foundation of fully accepting fully knowing and fully accepting yourself you still see all those other elements through other people's eyes so that foundation is very important because it's it's the essence of who you are then you begin with self-love and forgiveness and compassion towards yourself and others that's where i talk about boundaries clarity surrender and then the dream garden and that's for your dreams but think of how beautiful it is that you have a space within you to go for love. 
that you are able to actually tell yourself at the end of a long day where you feel so depleted and so exhausted and you just want someone to give you a hug and say, you're good. Imagine that that person is you. Like how beautiful is that? To be that person for yourself. To be the first place that you go to for validation and love. The first place that you go to when someone hurts you and you want to forgive them. Instead of waiting for them to say, you have permission to feel the pain that I caused you. You can come to yourself and say, what that person did really hurt. but." I'm not going to allow it to control me moving forward. That's not my burden to carry. That's not my mountain to carry. Their ability to cause me pain came from them. I didn't ask for the pain. I do not deserve the pain. I do not need that person to tell me that I did not deserve the pain. That's what being home with yourself means, is that you are able to tell yourself what you would tell your most loved one and whether you like it or not you are more worthy of being at the top of your list if you were to write a list of the people that you love the most you need to be at the top of that list and there is absolutely nothing selfish about it there's absolutely nothing arrogant about it there's a difference between causing other people pain because you want to cause them pain and making the active choice to put yourself as a priority in your life. And if it hurts another person because it's no longer convenient to them or more compassionately speaking, maybe it challenges their beliefs in a way that they just can't accept seeing you being someone that they are not used to seeing because maybe seeing you live your life a certain way challenges them to say well maybe I need to be making changes in my life or here's another example when for people who come from cultural and cultural and religious backgrounds where things are just you know very much black and white or there are strict rules or whatever once you take that journey to be yourself, and in Welcome Home, I talk about my journey of taking my hijab off, for example. There will be people around you who, if they were to agree with your decision for yourself, they would be going against one of their beliefs. But that's not on you to navigate. That's on them to navigate. Your job is to figure out who you are and start living who you are. Like live that out in the world. Your job is to deal with the layers of shame that have surrounded you wanting to be yourself over the years and thinking I can't be because if I am, that must mean something's wrong with me. That's your job. Your job is not to alleviate the pain that others are experiencing because of the choices you made for yourself that don't involve them, okay? 
wow, I have been talking for a long time. I didn't think that I would be, but um, <laughs> I think this is a good time to take some questions. Um, you guys can ask absolutely anything. Um, I just wanted to say, Nashua, that that's really powerful how you uh, you break down sort of the mechanics of uh, self-love. And uh, there's, a lot, there's so many insights that you bring that I haven't heard articulated uh, so precisely. You know, people talk Thank about self-love a lot, but it's, it's often sort of vague. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so uh, here's a question from... Uh, from, from Jyoti, um, okay. a comment question. She wrote, she wrote uh, I'm struggling with myself. Few events mm -hmm. occurred in my life which uh, were not in my control and which I strongly feel I didn't deserve. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel very sad and have been unable to overcome it. Friends tried explaining to me uh, that what happens happens for good. However, I don't see any good in it. Uh, and I'm really uh, badly uh, stuck with those events in mm -hmm. my life. Um, furthermore, I, I crave so much for love from partner and uh, he's very busy, um, unable to give t time and um, can't seem to understand my problems. Mm -hmm. uh, please uh, offer guidance, suggestions. Okay, so two parts of this question. Um, the first part, having bad things happen and struggling with letting them go and having people around you say, you know, everything that happens happens for good. I don't believe that. I don't believe that everything that happens happens for a good reason. It's kind of like they're telling you in a way, they're not saying this out loud and they're probably not even thinking it, but the way that it's making you feel is that it was okay for it to happen because something good is going to come out of it. It's never okay for something bad to happen to you or for someone to do something bad to you. That's never okay. And you can give yourself that validation. You don't need to hear it from people. Do you believe that anyone deserves to go through what you went through? Probably not. You don't deserve it either. When bad things happen to us, when bad things have happened to me, the way that I've dealt with them is to have that conversation with myself that says, you know, I didn't deserve that. And that was awful. And I would never do that to someone. And I will never understand where that person was coming from and why they were able to cause me so much pain. I will never understand that. Maybe some people get that kind of closure, but not everybody does. I didn't. I've had very bad things happen to me. I've never gotten an apology. I've never gotten an admission, validation, or anything. But once you start seeing your opinion of what happened as more important than the opinion of the person who caused it or their view, or more important than the opinions of those around you who are telling you like everything happens for good. And I'm sure they're coming from a good place telling you that. You can tell yourself that event happened or those events happened. I did not deserve them. Nobody does. They weren't okay, but they did happen. There's absolutely nothing that you could do that would reverse that event. And there is absolutely nothing that you could do that would erase the pain 
by someone else doing something about this. Like, even if this person were to come back to you and say, I apologize for what I did, you still have to feel the pain that that event caused. Because the reason, remember the story I was sharing at the beginning, the pain was so over-exaggerated. It was because it led me to a belief about myself. It was exaggerating a belief that I had about myself. So let it take you to what's the most painful thing about this event happening to you? What does it tell you about yourself that is so painful for you to feel? So answer that question for yourself. And once you answer it, work on changing that belief about yourself. Yes, maybe that traumatic event, maybe the best thing that came out of it was that it led you to whatever that belief is. But that's it. doesn't mean you have to be grateful for it happening. It doesn't mean that you have to say that was a good thing. No, just led you to something. We all experience pain, all of us. Like you're not alone in this. We all have had things happen to us that were really bad. And forgiving is not about saying it was okay. And it's not about saying, making sense of it. There was a part in Welcome Home, and this is in the clarity chapter. And this is very powerful. It's called Stop Looking for a Speck of Dust in an Ocean. And I'm talking there about closure, the reason, whatever it is. Stop looking for the reason that something happened because you think if I can figure out the reason, then this pain will go away because I can make sense of it. That's very not true. Because even if you make sense of it, even if someone came to you and said, you know what? I did know what I was doing and I chose to do that to you. And then that person leaves and I'm sorry and I shouldn't have done it, all that. Do you really think that's gonna take the pain away? It doesn't. So stop looking for the reason and stop focus, start focusing on the fact that you're in an ocean of life. Little things happen and this might not seem little to you, but in the grand scheme of your life, it is. It's an event. It doesn't define who you are or all the great things that could happen in your life. All the great people that you will meet. This might happen again and again and again. Separate it from what it tells you about yourself. That's what I'll tell you. Read the forgiveness room and the clarity room and welcome home. Those will immensely help you with this. Here's the second part of your question. If you have needs in a relationship and your partner isn't meeting those needs, there is a difference between they are genuinely not able to because they, you know, say they are working towards a life for the two of you. They're busy at work. They're like, but whenever they have an opportunity to give you those needs, they do their best to. They tell you when you talk to them. You know, they validate what you're feeling, not like, well, you shouldn't be feeling this way. That's, that's not good. That's not a good sign. As long as there is that validation and willingness to work on it so that, you know, they make sure that you are feeling okay and that you are feeling safe and secure in the relationship, that's a different story. But from what I'm sensing, that's not what's happening and that's not good. So what you need to do 
is stop constantly begging for your needs to be met. Say what you have to say once. And if you're not getting your needs met, then you have a choice to make. You either stay or you remove yourself from the level of closeness that you are with that person because you are expecting something that would only happen at a certain stage of, in a relationship, which is when, you know, we are on the, on the same path, we are there for each other, we are, you know, you remove to your, yourself to a certain extent and start getting your needs met in other areas of your life um, and start focusing on yourself, start focusing on understanding why it's more important to you in certain moments that you spend hours maybe trying to figure out why that person isn't giving you what you need and just figure out what you like doing. I'm not saying this means that, you know, your needs don't matter at all. I'm just giving you a realistic answer that will lead you back to yourself as opposed to constantly thinking, why isn't this person giving me what I need? And then you get to a point where you could genuinely ask yourself, am I in the right relationship with the right person? You know? But at the same time, you've learned so much about yourself. So I hope this answer helps. Javier asks or writes, I have been broken since I was a child and due to my pain and hurt, I was behaving in a way that hurt others as well without even knowing. I recognize mm. and I am aware that my past behaviors were not healthy for me or for those I love. I've also seen how much pain I caused the people I love the most. How mm -hmm. Do I move on from the guilt? How do I make up for it? How do I forgive myself and find peace? How do I build my home within myself knowing I have left people homeless? Wow. First of all, you've done a lot of work up to this point, and I salute you for that. You are so aware. And to be able to admit that, like, wow, that's incredible. So you've already started that journey home towards yourself because you see that now what can you do about it you can apologize for the, the mistakes that you've made don't apologize for who you are big difference don't say i am this you know battered person from childhood and the things that i did just you know i didn't take any part in them it was just a very unaware thing like own up to it say you know what in that moment when I caused you whoever this person is this pain I genuinely thought that that was the best thing that I could do for myself to preserve my view of myself my view of life to you know to to not lose whatever little pieces I had of myself and I apologize. I see how that hurt you. And I, you know, I would never do that again or whatever words that you want to use, but genuinely own up to everything that you've done and apologize for it. And just like I talk about in the forgiveness chapter, I say, you know, when you forgive someone, that doesn't automatically mean that they are welcome back into your life so the people that you are apologizing to and explaining yourself to and and genuinely explain yourself with no um expectation that they will be like yeah you know what 
I, I see where you're coming from and I accept your apology. Not everybody's going to give you that. I would because I'm that kind of person, but it, other people might just feel so hurt that they just wouldn't want to take that step. And so go into it knowing that just because you apologize to someone and owned up to your actions, that doesn't mean that automatically things are going to go back to the way that they were before or that you are going to be part of their life. Understand that that might be the last conversation that you have with them. But in terms of coming home to yourself and that being part of it, what you're doing is making peace with your past self, which is a big part in that self-acceptance piece, is making peace with the person that you were. Making peace with, like, just like you're saying, I hurt so many people and left them homeless. Even the people who were at the opposite end of that spectrum, who experienced that pain of someone making them feel homeless, even they have to make peace with their past and understand why they've allowed that to happen, why they've given someone else so much power over their feeling of being at home or being homeless or feeling like, I don't know what I am to you today and I don't know what I am to you tomorrow. And so while you are taking this journey of accepting your past self, someone else's, it's just in a different version. So making peace, like radically accepting. And what I mean by radically accepting is there are no ifs, buts, and, you know, nothing. I did what I did in the past. What happened to me happened in the past. I went down different paths in the past repeatedly. I had a pattern of whatever it was. It's just how it was. I can't change it. If I could, I would. But there is no going over every detail in my mind saying, but if I did that differently, then it happened. So you're making peace with all the events that happened alongside you being the person that you were in the past, okay? So also in the forgiveness chapter, I talk about self-forgiveness. And I say, there is one pillar where I say, forgiving someone doesn't grant them entry back into your life, including your past self. And the key piece here is your past self. Because once you forgive yourself for everything that you've done, you have to leave that person behind and say, I am no longer you. I was at one point. You'll never not be part of me, but I am not you. So do that. And I hope that helps. Well, we have arrived at time. Okay. Uh, I really want to thank you for your, your wisdom and um, breaking down the mechanics of self-love and self-empowerment. I, honestly, I've, I've never heard it uh, these things described in this way. So I'm really quite blown away. Um, and uh, I just want to let everyone know you can, um, you can find out more at uh, nejwazabian.com. And mm -hmm. of course, her book, Welcome Home, and, uh, and other books are available at Banyan Books at banyan.com. There's the book cover. Wait, hold it up again. It's such a, <laughs> such a beautiful cover. It's a bird coming to its nest. Mm. So it's Welcome Home. Yeah. So thank you so much. Any, any um, final words for our guest today? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you to everyone who stuck all the way to the end. Like I see the numbers stayed pretty up there. So um, 
thank you for being here today. And like I said, thank you for taking this journey with yourself. It makes me more hopeful for a beautiful world where we have homes everywhere. And um, if you have any questions for me, please don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram. I am the only one who has access to the DMs, so no one will see your message. If you have a question or anything that you want to ask, please ask me. And I will end it by saying something from my heart, you know. All that's happened in your life up to this point probably seems like a crutch or or something that you use in your mind or that your mind uses to tell you that's who you are you can't move forward from all of that you can't move forward from who you were in the past from you know what you've gotten the people around you in your life used to or you can't erase that one event or but remember like right now if you were to remove all of that, there's one strategy that I use in Welcome Home where I say, imagine that the past is on this side and the future is on this side and that you are physically pushing them away from you bit by bit. Then all you have is you now. The past doesn't define you. What could happen doesn't define you. Live with yourself now and say, if I could do something about my life right now, what would it be? And do it. The past, really, it doesn't exist. It exists in your mind through memories and everything, but it actually right now isn't sitting on your heart physically. Figuratively, it is. Remove it. Remember, in the Nectar of Pain, I say these mountains that you are carrying, you are only supposed to climb. Get that mountain, those mountains, whatever they are, the burdens, the who you were, your actions in the past, you genuinely want to move forward, get them out of the way, put them beneath your feet and rise above. That's what I'll end with. Thank you. Till next thank time. you everyone. And yeah, we'll talk soon. And thank you so much for, for hosting this event. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for Branches of Wisdom a podcast of Banyan Books and Sound, Canada's spiritual and healing resource since 1970. Our podcast producer is Jacob Steele. The show is edited by Abdo Habani. Watch all our conversations on YouTube by searching for Banyan Books or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe, follow, like, and leave your reviews and comments. We love to hear from you. For all our live events, books, and more, visit us at banyan.com.